PFT Media. You are now listening to Cinema Crespediso. Chris Crespo Radio Show. Everybody likes it. Listen to his shit. Gentlemen, welcome to episode 403 of Cinema Crespediso. I am Christopher Crespo in the studio with Drusta Cogburn. What up, dude? AKA Drusta Cogburnstein. <clears throat> uh, I figured I'd start using your full Co- name. Drusta Cogburnstein? Yeah, I'll start using your full name. Drusta Cogburnstein's here. Now, now, they know, and, now they know I'm a Jew. <laughs> you guys finally <laughs> know one, guys. You can say you know one. Actually, I'm as, as, as Ashkenazi. Ash, Ash. I, I don't know, Chris. I was raised Roman Catholic. <clears throat> oh, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations on your power grab. The, um... We're here. It's a weird week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Not a, a lot of things aren't working out the way we kind of hoped they would be. Of course, I'm talking about... Uh, what am I talking about? <laughs> well, the weird, the weird thing is, the, the lady's a Catholic, and so is Mr. Biden. Well, the Democrats have put forth Catholic tickets uh, for a number of elections now. The only elected uh, Catholic president has been uh, assassinated. The Democrat and then assassinated. <laughs> uh, Biden's assassinated. Catholic. Um, John Kerry was Catholic. And, oh, was he? Yes, and or was is he still alive? <laughs> and, but he ran. He ran. And um, Tim Kaine, Hillary Clinton's uh, vice president. Oh, okay. he, he he's Catholic. Uh, also, Nancy Pelosi, highest-ranked, uh, Senate-ranked, Democratic uh, holder, seat holder, whatever. She's Catholic. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know so, how Democrats hate Catholics. It's, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's, weird. It's, it's this people, this people of grace, people of peace thing that she's a part of. It's a sect of a, of a religion, actually. Oh, oh so, that, so... That requires so, so, uh, so, loyalty oaths. I was about to say, so are they more left or more right of the Catholics? Because mm. if they're a sect, that means they're deviating. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I haven't done enough research into it, but I will say... It sounds like more I, right. I, this is what I've heard. It sounds like more right, because more, if, if you go more left, you tend to just go into some other branch of Christianity. Yeah, and the Presbyterian. Exactly. <laughs> you, go, you start going left, and you're just a uh, Methodist. Exactly. <laughs> then all of a sudden, you're, all you're doing it you're just showing up the mass without a tie on yeah so so my guess is more right which is 
Also, religious fundamentalism. Yeah, it's a thing. Okay, so up until 2017, they referred to the women in, in their pe- people of peace. They referred to the women as handmaids. Ugh. And then Handmaid's Sale came out. And they were like, we. And they stopped doing that. <laughs> uh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> bad publicity. Like bad optics. <laughs> was he, was she ready about us? Um, yeah, so. Uh, and then, you know, Brianna Taylor, the cop, the only cop that got indicted for anything, he got indicted for the bullets that didn't hit her. <laughs> if all of the if all of his bullets had hit her, then he'd be free. So it's been a bad week. You see the the the, the taser shields? What? <laughs> you haven't seen the taser shields? No. You're not really online. Those are hard to see when they stay online. When you doom scroll through Twitter. Um feds and Port in Portland gave those the cops uh some of them like prototype, I guess, taser shields that apparently mm-hmm. are available where they're they're clear, about the size of uh, maybe twelve to sixteen inches. It's not that big. Uh, and you can see like the electricity not electricity, but the um like the wiring inside it, they are clear and uh it's it's scary. It looks totally dystopian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's bad. So if you're protesting, if you're listening in Portland, then you're out there protesting between listening to episodes of Crespity. So bring a uh, stock up on Super Soakers. Now's a good time to get Super <laughs> Soakers. Uh, I read online that maple syrup is good for going up some works. So oh, maybe yeah. you get a strong enough uh, <laughs> hose type of apparatus. Or, or you know, if you... I'm not saying you should deploy these devices. I'm no. saying. Mm-hmm. Or what? What do you got? I mean, I'm, you I'm got just saying one? you, you could, got another one that people uh, shouldn't do. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I, I'm sure if you took some sharp object, you mm-hmm. could adjust the size of the nozzle in the super soaker there for it go. to put out a for more the viscosity. Yeah. Yes, that's what I was thinking. How do you... Uh-huh. How do you because, I mean, yeah. man, that really gunks up the works good oh, yeah. on a... Uh, theoretically speaking, I have no idea. I haven't actually seen a taser shield in person. This all could be left-wing propaganda put out by the George Soros uh, publicity machine. I'm still waiting for my George Soros check. Have you gotten your check yet? No, no. I haven't. I guess because I actually haven't been out there in the streets. He knows. He's like oh. Santa. Is, oh, you know, um, <laughs> He's like Australian maybe, Santa. He knows. May, may, maybe those are his drones that are circling the protests and not the U.S. government. There you go. Because he's, he's And checking. that's how he knows. Yeah. He's, he's uh-huh. doing yeah, facial yeah. recognition. Yeah, so, so he can write checks. And then you get a direct deposit. Yeah. Oh, maybe also uh-huh. I have to check my direct deposit. Oh, there you go. says 5,000K, George Soros. Yeah. Thanks, George. Is he actually an actual person? <laughs> I only hear about him in terms of right wing boogeyman. Oh, or, or is he like Q? <laughs> yeah. Who is Q? Oh my god, it's a bad road, guys. So we watched Enola Holmes <laughs> because uh, because it's, it's going down. <clears throat> Ship's going down, and we're going down with it. Uh, this is what happens when you fuck around with your 2016 votes. Like, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll vote. I'll vote. Hillary Clinton. So, uh, Bobby, Millie Bobby Brown mm-hmm. uh, actually helped produce this thing. She read it nice. with her sister, to her younger sister, and she was like, I want to be Enola Holmes. But at the, at that time, she was, like, I guess, 12. Mm-hmm. She was like, I'm too young. I can't play. I don't know how young she was. But she finally aged into the role of a 16-year-old Well, well I'm sure not, not only A, aged into the role, but B, had three successful seasons of Netflix show and a fucking bank account to roll that shit. Shit, man, yeah. That's just <laughs> popular. And she did... Um, the reason why it's a legendary pictures thing is because she developed relationships with them via her involvement with Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh, yeah, she was, she was, she was in, in that. She was in that. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, those Godzilla monsters are so forgettable. Extremely, extremely, extremely forgettable. Uh, we'll talk about Godzilla in the second half of the show. That's a good teaser for that. But, uh, yeah, extremely forgettable. And But she, business-wise, made connects and oh. got this movie off the ground. 
It's on. Uh, it was supposed to come out in theaters in April. Yep, via I could have seen Warner that. Brothers. Yes, I, yeah. I, I could have seen that. Yeah, it, yep. it definitely tries to have the scope, the mm-hmm. feel. Like it's a big budget. We're we're traveling places, and it, we got train sequences. It's it, it, uh, wide screen. I could know exactly. <laughs> I could have seen like I I, I understand. Like, this is a theatrical movie. Yeah, you know it definitely it felt theatrical. Like. Not, not, I not necessarily it. that big budget, no. but it feel theatrical. I could have seen it in theaters and not been angry with myself. If I had my Regal Club pass, 50 cent convenience fee, just went and saw it, spent two hours, I would have been like, yeah, make it a little shorter. But otherwise, no. I feel like it's, uh, I'd put it above fine. I'd say it's good. Yeah, I'd say it's a good movie. I mean, I would... Uh, for I was, since I was home watching it, I was on my phone a lot of it, I so mean, I gotta put that during, out there, disclaimer. I mean, for these Netflix movies, yes, like... It's a, now it's a Netflix movie. I would have said Extraction was probably the most actual movie-like Netflix movie that's been made. For this year? For this year, but now... Yeah, sure. But now Enola Holmes. Yeah. It, like, it, uh, it feels it feels more flesh... It feels more like an actual movie. Yeah, Extraction and Enola Holmes are both uh, 2020 Netflix movies that could have been... Uh, could have been enhanced with a theater experience. Yeah, maybe since I'm home, watching my studio on my laptop, I have my phone, my hands going through Twitter. I was like, let me check the Wikipedia on this page. Let me do some fact-checking. It's not fact-checking, but just like reading about it while I'm watching it. Things I wouldn't do in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got to uh, factor that into the whole thing as well. But I will say this. Uh, it's like It's one of those things where I totally get it. Mm-hmm. I get what they were doing, what mm-hmm. their intentions were. Mm-hmm. It's pretty on its face. Yep. It's a young girl who, I mean, where we just saw this. It's a young girl, Sherlock Holmes. It's, 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 it's young fine. girl, Sherlock Holmes, mixed with little women where it's like, I don't want to be a conventional woman of my day, mm-hmm. you know? And huh. uh, you're like, yeah, you go, girl. It's a go, girl movie, girl power movie. Uh, good actors. Oh, like, oh, 100%. I like everyone involved. Yes. Uh, I mean, Millie Bobby Brown was great. I enjoy uh, Sexy Sherlock. Uh, soup, yeah, yeah. Se- sexy Sherlock. When when he was leaning <laughs> against the tree, like, talking to her, and he had like, his legs, his leg was all stretched out. <laughs> I was like, look at this guy. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. This fucking Henry Cavill knows what he's doing. Yeah, he does. Uh, sexy the, Sherlock. The guy who played Mycroft, Sam Claffin. Yeah, Claffin. He was... Yeah. Uh, he was in a uh, season of Peaky Blinders, and he played oh, fa- he he played a fascist. Go figure. Hey, he's <laughs> he good did, at that. He, he, yeah, exactly. He's he, good he at plays being, a fascist very well. He's good at being an overbearing blowhard who wants to put women in their place. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's cool. That was funny, Mycroft. So yes. is that a, is that a Sherlock Holmesy? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the only Sherlock Holmes character? that I know. I mean, I I know the. From the movies, I mean, mm-hmm. I know about the books, never read them. Sure, uh, but I did watch the, all the BBC ones. Okay, with and and my, Mycroft with Benedict Cumberbatch. In, in in that one, Mycroft was just as intelligent mm. as Sherlock. Just used it for you know governmental purposes. He was the Enola Holmes of the bunch. Mm. Is Enola Holmes? I think uh, fabricated she, for this. Uh, no, like for the book series. No, she or is Enola Holmes a Arthur Conan Doyle? I I I think. Enola is based off of just the Sherlock. I don't think Arthur Conan Doyle had anything about it, mm-hmm. had anything to do with Enola. But she does show up in the BBC series. Okay, so she pre-existed then, maybe. But, because this was written, but as these a, books were in 2006 or 2010. But as a full-grown woman, so pretty much the same. She was raised alongside Sherlock and Mycroft okay. in the BBC one. Mm-hmm. And she was way crazier 
but also way more intelligent than Sherlock. So she, there's a cat and mouse game. Interesting. Sherlock Holmes is public domain. Mm-hmm. Up to a point. Okay. Up, up to 1923. Uh, and Arthur Conan Doyle wrote a bunch of Sherlock Holmes stuff before World War One, and then after World War One, He had a, there was a whole bunch of stuff written from 23 to 27. The Arthur Conan Doyle estate sued the producers of this movie. Because and they Netflix. used the wrong story. Not that they used the wrong story, but because their Sherlock Holmes is a Sherlock Holmes who has emotions. Ah, uh, And yes. they argued that all the Holmes that was written before World War One, he was just cold calculating, deducting, the investigator. But then after losing a son and a brother, I think, in World War One, he decided Holmes had to be more human and 23 forward uh, wrote a more humanistic Holmes. So they're like, this Holmes has emotions. We have emotions on lockdown. You can do that without paying us. Pay us. So that shit was just filed in June. Huh. That's ongoing. Interesting. Um, I don't know, man. Can he copyright emotions? A I character mean, with or without emotions? I mean, maybe it's the whole character turn. You know, mm-hmm. there, was, there was character growth before this period. It was this version. Yeah. After it's this version. So you, that's what they argue. Wait a couple more years, guys. Before it's a fall into the... Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> that's, so that's what they argue, yeah. that it's a... Well, the initial argument, I think, too, up until that they lost the initial one in twenty for the, up to 23 copyright, was um, they were arguing that Sherlock Holmes, over all the time and all these stories, was one long, cohesive character that was just going through, was a complex character. And then the... The argument at the time and that the judge ruled for was like, no, it's not a complex character. It's just a pulp character that has been, there's a number of iterations on it. You can't have a lockdown on all these different versions yeah. of this thing. Uh, public domain, psh, all like that. So uh, that's a fight. It's a fight. So that's why I was wondering, Enola Holmes, how does that factor in? Where was that pre-23? I have no idea. I didn't do all that. That's too yeah. much research. I but mean, this it, is based on book series. So. It, it's, it sounds like Enola Holmes is more like fan fiction. Yes, exactly. That has been such... It's you a know, Fifty Shades of Grey of it, Sherlock Holmes. Exactly. Yes, there we go. That makes sense. And in this or one, it's fan fiction that is turned into uh, you know canon for the most part. Yeah. Weird how that happens mm-hmm. because of the public domain. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to do. We need to get into public domain stuff. We need, we need to make biblical epics starring Sherlock Holmes. Uh, man, there's a movie. I'm going to watch this movie time after time. I'm going to watch a movie this week so we can talk about it next week. Time after time. It's from the late 70s and it's H.G. Wells traveling through time to stop Jack the Ripper in 1980s New York. What? The yes, fuck. it's an actual movie. Time after time, from the late seventies. I'm gonna watch that shit this week because I've been meaning to watch it, and then we'll talk about it next week. Uh, public domain's fun, man. So why have why have Samson as he's pushing Dude, down what? the pillars to crush all the we, Philistines? So time travel somewhere. We can just do Jesus and the Super Friends, straight from Family Guy. See now, now you're fucking with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, but our Jesus is 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 yeah, a the Catholic Church on us is uh, is fully American. Fully white, and you know, like he's got like the American headband. Like, it's yeah. almost, like imagine Rambo Jesus. exactly Rambo Jesus. <laughs> okay, all right, that's our Jesus. We're doing American Jesus. American Jesus, Rambo Jesus versus the Philistines, and the Philistines are all the radical left wing libs uh-huh. who want to take yeah. away yes. our uh, our rights uh-huh. in terms yes. of uh, uh, what are we afraid of again? I don't know, but we're gonna take uh, people taking lazy Mexicans taking our jobs. But but, but, we're, but we're gonna take that's all confusing. that. Rich white Republican money and then dump it into social projects. 
and and that's how we fund it (laughs) that's how we fund it with your money (laughs) with you don't know it but that's how we're funding it's rambo jesus (laughs) yeah and then he sets up the money changing tables outside the church and i was like i said don't do it in the church i didn't say you couldn't do do it just just do it outside just do it in the parking lot it's fine change your money and then he had a side of uh, crackers and a little bit of wine the first transubstantiation Mm -hmm. then he'd go into the church take a dump second transubstantiation Rambo Jesus. Rambo Jesus. Hey, you know, hey, I'm here. To, uh, I'm back. It's my second coming, and, uh, you know, cup the ball, stroke the shaft. Second Amendment. Third coming. <laughs> second Amendment, third coming. Thank you, Rambo Jesus. The end. <laughs> and that was Crespo Diso <laughs> Earworm Theater for... Rambo Jesus. Rambo Jesus, September 2020. Tune in next month for our. Man, how long does how long does Rambo go into public domain? We got wait like another seventy five years for that shit, right? Because it's like a ninety <laughs> year thing now. Disney got up to ninety years. Yeah, yeah. And then he just did something. Well, yeah, of course, because but when it's when it first comes out, right? Yeah, seventy nine. Right. The Disney will push it back again whenever the time comes. God. Damn it, Disney. They're truly ruining public domain. Well, it's because they are... <laughs> They're the worst. They are a single entity writing all of copyright law. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad, bad. Oh, but now we're going to get uh, Wolverine with, the, <laughs> with Spider-Man, so I guess it's fine, guys. Hey, as long as you don't touch Mickey, everything's cool. Just don't touch the mouse. Don't do not touch <laughs> that mouse. Show me on the doll where the mouse touched you, but don't touch that mouse. Right here. <laughs> No Holmes is good. It was. Could have been in theaters. Should have been. Th- Should have been in theaters. Should have. April and an April release too, like leading up to summer. Yeah, it would have been fine. I could also have seen it being a um, or, like a holiday Christmas movie for families. I was gonna say, or a summer kids movie. Or yeah, so you could have marketed either way. You could have marketed strictly to the kids, the teens, and I think that would have worked. But also. Uh, being a teen, when you're a boy, usually that stuff will uh, turn you off. Like, I want to see a movie about a girl. You got to, you have but, to, but Superman's in it. So you show them a lot of with Superman. Yeah, exactly. You got to, you got to mislead the idiot, the yeah. idiot boys uh-huh. before they become men. Um, Mark it as a family movie, something for everyone. Uh, even though it is PG 13, I think, because it does get pretty violent. Well, it does get, yeah. 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 At one point, uh, a child <clears throat> starts getting garroted, so... Well, yeah, and, and I mean, and, 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 I was like, another point in time, happened, I was like, Whoa. another child feigns death. Yes, straight <laughs> up. Well, although, you gotta be, it's like, I know where this is going, but still. Well, yes. yeah, but still. Actually, it happens a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> a couple times, you think, did that child just die? <laughs> this is alarming, this movie, this British film. Uh, also, I like hearing people use their normal uh, voices in movies, so it's cool again. Uh, Henry Cavill, Cavill mm-hmm. and uh, Helena Bonham Carter and Millie Bobby Brown, like all these actors that we know a lot for doing American accents, uh, getting used their normal, normal British speaking voices. I was like, oh, Eleven's British. Look at that. She's so British, and she's little one. Little is, Eleven. Is she? Yes, she is, isn't she? I woke up on Wikipedia, I did. It's a British actress, Millie Bobby Brown, best known for playing Eleven in the Netflix series Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, and it's a Netflix movie, so it's convenient, guys. If you haven't put it on, enjoy it. If you have kids, definitely watch it with the kids. It's good for the kids. Um, and if you're into Henry Cavill, phew, he's in it. He's, he's dashing. And he's got those sexy <laughs> Superman curls. He's got the curls going, <laughs> fitted suits. 
Um, okay, let's get into our media diets. So I watched uh, a couple of movies. Um, so, Rebecca is a 1940 Best Picture winner. Alfred Hitchcock's only Academy Award for Best Picture. It's also his first American production coming over from England. And it's David O. Selznick's production company uh, the year after Gone with the Wind. Uh, that's a hell of a back-to-back year from Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. And then Rebecca. Rebecca, based on a novel that came out in 38, which itself is still in publication. I'm gonna have to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, have you do you know about it? Know anything nope. about it, Rebecca? Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. Rebecca reason it's on the radars because in a few weeks there will be a Ben Wheatley directed version on Netflix starring Ooh. Army Hammer, Lily Collins, and uh, Kristen Stewart Thomas. All right, Kristen Thomas Stewart. Ooh. And uh, it's interesting. This movie. But the story itself is very interesting. It's about uh, an older socialite, not an older, a socialite widower. Because in the original, it's Laurence Olivier, who looks like he's 40-ish in that movie. Um, in this one, it's Army Hammer, who obviously looks like he's still like... In his 20s. He still looks like a goddamn Winklevoss. Um, but he's a widower socialite who uh, meets a young woman who on a trip, and she is not like out of her league she is there she's there as hired help for someone else but they fall in love they get married real quick and they go to his home manderley and this is what i think was a big appeal for the movie when it first came out it's a two it's a two-hour movie it's almost two hours it's a long movie i watch it on youtube the whole thing is on youtube and it's uh a first hour of it or so a lot of it it's like hanging out in monte carlo i think uh, it's a lot of production design porn mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Yeah. Checking out these huge lobbies, and then when they get to the mansion, the big mansion, and the uh, the what's her name? Uh, Re- Rebecca is the name of the, the deceased wife, who is like a specter over their whole relationship. And the girl, goddamn, what's her name? She is um, going around through the remnants of this woman's life, and it's a lot of like, look at all the embroidered uh, fine linens and how beautiful all this shit is, right? And then the housekeeper, Miss Danvers, is a real cold-hearted bitch and for most of the movie you're like they allude very heavily to what happened to rebecca why she's dead they don't say outright mm-hmm. so for a while like i know what happened i'm the audience i know what happened and you're also with the girl and the girl starts figuring out like i know what happened so i'm watching movie I'm like it's fine it's, yeah, i get it it's good you know it's from 1940 it's whatever and then it gets to a point where like there's a revelation the uh, uh, character says something i was like what <laughs> like what? I just got got. I got got. I'm in. Uh, and like for like the last thirty minutes or so, forty minutes, it was just like a series of revelations. Then it's like, oh, they've been building up to this whole thing. And then the last thirty minutes, it goes from a uh, very dramatic, like r- romantic melodrama to uh, unraveling mystery of uh, of past sins and all this stuff. And it was good. It was very compelling. I thought it was uh, very well done. And then the lady who was the lead, Jane. Jane Fontaine? June Fontaine. Jane Fontaine. Uh, she was nominated for Best Actress that year and then won the following year for the next uh, Hitchcock movie. She did Suspicion, I think. It's uh, It was good. When I was done, I was like, yeah, that was good. I was a little bored, to be, uh, to be honest, in the beginning as it took its time as, it, as we got there. But once the train arrived at the station, I was like, oh, all right, I get it. I understand now why this is so... Um, why the story itself has endured all these years. Yeah. And now I understand why... Ben Wheatley would be involved in making it because uh, all his movies are like 
They're crazy psychodramas. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, and if it's not, then it's like Free Fire. It was like a two hour action comedy. Slugfest. Slugfest. Yeah. <laughs> action comedy. So it's like, why would he do a movie that looks like this? That looks like from the producers of Atonement and what is it? Like, the Darkest Hour. It looks so British prestige. What is this? But then when you see the movie and how it plays out, it's like, oh, I can see what would ultimately attract him to, to this material. So, anyway. Rebecca. Well, now you have a better knowing of what he may be doing with it. Exactly. And then I, I watched the trailer. I watched the trailer first for his movie. Then I watched the 1940 version. And then I rewatched the trailer for his version. Like, I know what happens here. I know, I know yes. what's going on here. I know what's going on here. I was like, look at, ah, oh, wow. And then there's a shot of fireworks. I was like, oh, shit. The fireworks. I know what happens at that moment. Um, yeah, so. It's going to be, I think it's going to be really good because it looks like gorgeous. The the original one looks very, very good, obviously, but this new one's going to be crazy looking. Um, I rewatched The Natural. You ever see that, Natural? Robert mm-hmm. Redford? Yeah. Uh, old man play baseball. Old, old man plays baseball. <laughs> Who's his rookie? Because he gets shot by some woman. It's a wild story involving uh, Michael Madsen runs through an outfield wall and dies. It's, yeah. It's, uh, I forgot about how crazy it is because I saw it when I was a lot younger. All you remember is the baseball hitting the... Psh, dun, 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 bam, bam, bam. Uh, Alfred Brimley... Alfred Brimley is Wilford Brimley's brother. <laughs> and he had this story to say in which um, Wilford Brimley plays the older manager uh, complaining about this guy, uh, uh, Robert Redford's character. Uh, Brimley was like five years younger than Robert Redford. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, he, but he looked 20 years older. He permanently <laughs> looked old. He's like that... That cat with the mustache. Yeah. And like the, Look at this grumpy old cat. He's yeah. just like a permanent old grumpy cat, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest in peace. Well, for brilliant. But I rewatched Natural. And it's amazing seeing how much work the score does. The, who did the score? Um, the, the, you got a friend. Randy Newman. We're just like, Randy Newman. But then he also scored. <laughs> yeah. like, damn, yeah. this is good. Dude has a musical genius for a reason. Uh, I watched Guy's Grocery Games this week. Because uh, I know why our boy Elliot was on it at Salt Forge on Instagram, uh, host of Offcuts, PFT Media's Offcuts, number one food show in the land, Florida? Question mark? Florida? Question mark? It's actually not <laughs> the land. We're here in Orlando. I just I don't know. <laughs> Hedging bets. The um, man, that was fun to see. Not stressful at all because I talked to him months ago and it's like, oh, I did the show. Here's the outcome. I was like, oh, sweet. Okay, now I don't have to, I don't have to worry no, I don't about have to figure it. Out. Like, oh yeah. my God. Yeah, I'm like, oh my God, what the bullshit? It's like, no, there's, it was, I watched one of my parents like, look, here's the show. Here's what's going to happen. Okay, let's watch <laughs> And it made it a lot easier to watch because we knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, it's for it. Um, but it was cool. It was cool seeing him, seeing him on TV. Like I know that guy. I'm on TV. I'm on the TV. But that makes now. Uh, so I knew. I know someone who's on that show. And then my brother, one of his coworkers from Haleo, did an episode hmm? uh, where she didn't win, but she got to the end as well. Got pretty far. Um, it was fun. Cool. No. You watch it at all? At all? No. Not even for like. No. Like I'm bored. Not even. A but you don't, you don't have cable though. No, I don't. I don't either. So I don't have access to it. It was my parents' house. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's on Sling, but I don't know. Yeah, no. So uh, a couple of podcasts that are out there real quick. I don't think I mentioned this one before. I wanted to mention this a while ago. Just this is for podcast listeners. But Drew, you may you there are things about these two shows that you'll appreciate. I ain't expecting you at all to listen to them. Good, because I won't. <laughs> Good. I'm glad we're <laughs> settled. I'm not falling for your reverse psychology bullshit. Um, there's a show called The Neighborhood to Listen, which is one of Paul F. Tompkins' like 3,000 different podcasts. But the, the concept is the type of concept that makes me so mad that like, how come I can't think of good stuff like this? 
um, they take the neighborhood watch app and they call it the neighbor app because they explain right away we ain't, we ain't trying to get sued so we, we we renamed the app but you all know which app we're talking about mm-hmm. and it's the neighborhood the neighbor app app or something and they take real posts from their LA area uh, neighborhood watch and apps turn them into comedy sketches they just do there's, there are two characters who live in Dignity Falls and uh, they play fake people who are like let's read this and then they read it verbatim and then they postulate on you know improv based on that and then uh they bring in another comedian to like they'll read a crazy thing like we have the person who wrote this and then they'll do a whole like 10 yeah. minute bit on it uh it's pretty funny i'm sure it's yeah because people are nuts people are. <laughs> they read this one about uh this uh <clears throat> vincent price dinner <laughs> and it was the sixth one it was called dinner has a price and someone was gonna do show up in, in costume as vincent price and put on a a dinner but it was like an italian 1970s Italian dinner, 1970s American Italian or something. It was a weird description, and you had to like. Uh, it was also dinner theater because we had to help Vincent Price undo a spell with uh, Italian elixirs or something mystical. Tal- it was crazy, and then they had someone come in and pretend to be uh, the guy who's pretending to be Vincent Price. Fun. It was fun. It was good stuff. So the neighborhood. Listen, highly recommend. Um, the third season of JRVP. Uh, the Jesselnik and Rosendahl, Rosenthal Vanity Project has started. Big fan of Anthony Jesselnik. Um, and he's good at podcasting. It's really good. I really, really enjoy it. So I'm just putting it out there. If you like Jesselnik, he's got a podcast. And they just started their third season. So they're on episode 70 or 71. Uh, the very first one was on the NFL Network. And that shit. That is gone. No, it's still out there. Is it? it apparently, it's still out there. So if you want to hear uh, Jesselnik shit talk Roger Goodell on his <laughs> own network, you can do it. Um, and that's it. That's it for my immediate dad. What do you got for me, Drew? Uh, episode six of Lovecraft Country. Uh, yes. Yes, that was like the South Korean one. Fucking bonkers as shit. Man, I'll tell you. I was... <laughs> I was I was not expecting. I mean, it was it was a fun little. It was like tentacles, but not tentacles. Yeah, no, it, but it it was like reverse tentacle porn because normally it's the tentacle raping the lady. Yeah, and this time it was the lady definitely raping the dude with the tentacles. Was it, was it rape or just full out uh, yeah. li- liquefaction and decimation yeah, and just destruction? But then there was also an element of uh, reading your thoughts in yeah. your mind <laughs> and your future. <sighs> Fucking bonkers, dude. The, 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 the Yamiya? The Yamiha? There's a... Uh, What's the name of that fox demon? Uh, what, whatever it was, demon. there's uh Love, Death, and Robots. There, One of the episodes is uh, on One Such Demon. Oh, really? Yeah. So right. it's actual, you know, Asian mythology. I like so. Pull, I like pulling from the real stuff. Give me yeah. the real Baba Yagas. Exactly. That's very cool. So. You know, you know who can stop that that demon fox? Rambo Jesus. Yeah. Hey, give me give me yeah. a demon fox. Yeah. I'll have sex. I'll have sex <laughs> with the fox. I'll do it. It's fuck. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Back up. Uh Raised by Wolves. Two more episodes came out. Yes. Uh so you're now two episodes. Because you watched them? Oh, I watched them both, yeah. Yeah, I'm behind. So I watched the two from the week before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that, that means there's only one left. So yeah. that's what you called. You're like, I, I think did. I'm going to do two more and then maybe have a pumped up final one. Yeah. So I'm hoping for like a like an hour and a half yeah. finale. Um, yeah, dude, this show's a great show. <laughs> it's so good. Dude, the, it goes the, places. I mean, the end of episode seven is fucking bonkers as shit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they're, all, they're, all, they're, all milk, dude, they're all milky crazy. Episodes eight and nine? 
this this show ramps up like fucking Game of Thrones does. Oh yeah, where it's just like it sets so many it, things it, in place. It's it's like yo, just when you think you've seen the craziest thing this show has to offer, yeah. oh, you have not seen anything. Because they keep adding things. They keep yeah. like, and then you're like, wow, yeah. this gonna uh-huh. pay off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bonk, dude. It, it, nuts. It's, it definitely takes some interesting turns here and there, and it's setting up some big questions. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. how it all pays off, and how much will it pay off? Because um, when they talk about the renewal of season two, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, the show creator is now sitting down to write season two. Oh, yeah. So that means, so what, season one was just written as, like, here's a story. If people like it, then we'll figure out another season. Is I mean, that, is I'm, that type of thing? I'm, I'm sure. Like, like you, you leave yourself this has threads. It, well, no. It, but. Exactly, that you can pull on. But it pro- it's probably contained, right? I mean, we'll see. Well, uh, shit. We'll see this week. I mean, I don't know. Not. I mean, at one point in time, I would have said yes, Chris. But now you don't know. I, I would have said yes. Yeah. Like, if I was at where your point at, I was like, okay, I do see a logical conclusion where to this could, story. Where it could go. In three episodes. Yes. After we're getting through episodes eight and nine, and yeah, I there can... better be a fucking second season. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I mean, you know, barring the end of the world. <laughs> We're, we're going to get that second season. So, uh, so the yeah. trick is just to stay Fucking alive until it comes out. Nuts. And then we'll do... So then this week, the finale will come out, which means the following week we'll have a bonus episode for our Patreon.com slash Crescent So talk about the second half of Raised by Wolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, also watched... Oh. The new episode of The Vow because it's fucking fascinating. Damn it, the Vow. That's what week episode four or five now. Uh, episode five was last was this week, so episode six is tonight. And how many do you know? Have you checked? I, or no? I think it's like ten or eleven. Okay, so I'm pretty pretty packed. No, it's a lot of shit to it's go on there. Bonkers. I gotta catch up on it. That, that's definitely one to, to to be getting on. Yep. Uh, but I mean, I gotta watch that. I wanna watch what is the one? The who we are? Who we are? That's a Luca Guadagnino show that just okay. started. Still want to go back and just finish on and watch uh, I May Destroy You. That's supposed to be a great show. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, the Sopranos. I finished, up, I finished season one. Nice. Uh, finished season two. Hey, hey. And started season three. All right. And in season three, episode one, uh, the mother's head is definitely CG'd on top of some other lady's face. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. And it is because, really noticeable. Yes, because she died. The actress died. Oh my god, Drew. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. And it it was jarring. I'm like it I'm was, like I'm like that that's not her face. It it was <laughs> it was jarring to people then. Yeah. Back in like two thousand three or whatever. I was, yeah. I was in college. Yeah. Uh holy cow, I completely forgot about that little factoid. Yeah. That's hysterical. It was weird, man. That, that's a, and it really stood out. Yeah, that's a fun thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like that's not she's not there. <laughs> like, all, all of a sudden it's like you're watching a Marvel movie. Yeah. It's exactly. like she could have been on a, a, a Iron Man suit. Uh-huh. It was, it was um, weird. Are you are you getting more into it? Is it? Uh, uh, I mean, do you feel like I'm getting s- better for you from your perspective? Uh, I mean, yes, and I, uh, I'm I'm ha- I'm having a hard time liking any of the characters. Sure, almost everybody in the entire show is a garbage piece of <laughs> shit human being. How are they? <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I'm thinking it's. I'm thinking The Sopranos was more like a Game of Thrones type thing, where it was such. So many people were watching it. And it was such a cultural zeitgeist yeah. that. People were just into it. Yeah. And now that it's 20 years past, mm-hmm. 
going back to watching it. If you weren't there, then you're not. It's not gonna hit the same. It's not gonna hit the same. It's not gonna hit the same. Because you don't have, you know, you're not worried about what's gonna happen next and people talking about this, that, the other. Like, yeah. I already know what happens. I I know how the fucking show ends, <laughs> and I never watched an episode. Don't so stop. <laughs> um, yeah. The, so, but uh, yeah, I don't know. What is it? Season four? No, season five. The Steve Buscemi season's great. I mean, a lot of this stuff. I think it's season five. I mean, and and you know, obviously, you know, here we we are in the year 2020, and things are True. way different. True. So there are some uh, there's some social stereotypes and some words that are being used <laughs> that yeah. are no longer no. okay on television. Yeah, but like you said, they're also bad people, <laughs> yeah. so they wouldn't yeah, yeah. use that kind no, of language. Exactly, it'd be dishonest if they didn't. <laughs> Like, oh, no, I'm, fi- I'm fine with the bad guys. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You're a racist fucko. Yeah, you guys are, <laughs> you guys are Italian mafia guys. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's very funny. But Sopranos. Uh, what did you say before? Lovecraft Country Sopranos. Lovecraft Country Sopranos. Vow. Raised by Wolves. The Vow. And then I watched some stand-up. Oh, okay. What'd you get? Uh, two Joe Coy specials. One live from Seattle from 2017. And the other one coming in hot. From 2019. Is that K-O-I? K-O-Y. K-O-Y. It's all right. I like Joe Coy, but I've only... He's I've never okay. seen any of his specials. I've only heard him on, like, uh, interviews and podcasts okay. and, like, talk radio and stuff like that. Okay. Where he's uh, he's a funny guy. He's all right. But just all right. But he watched two different specials, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hour apiece. Give me something different to watch. Sure. Give you some, give you some jokes. Exactly. I mean, after watching... Two episodes of Raised by Wolves and an episode of Lovecraft Country, mm-hmm. and then the vow. It's just like, yeah, I need something light. I need, I need, I need a chill. <laughs> That's when you put on guys' grocery games. Like, okay, some stupid. Good. Look at them. Look at these idiots making burgers. Oh, uh, and then uh, from 2017, I watched the Al Madrigal special. Shrimpin' ain't easy. Al Madrigal. Okay, that's interesting. Wasn't he on a um, Daily Show for yes, a bit was. there? Yeah. I think he was probably a writer on mm. it, actually. Uh, and a correspondent. And a correspondent, yep. Uh, when was it from? 2017. So this is, uh, he's in his 40s, this is okay. past, you know, past his prime. Yep. But it was funny. And, and what's the, the gist of his, like, uh, the topics? Is he going observational? Is he going political? Is it about being 40? Like being oh, a, a lot of observational yeah. uh, family stuff. And then uh, a, a great story where the shrimpin' ain't easy thing comes from. Okay. Where he, he he got pissed off at his uh, child's ballet teacher and decided to be a petty asshole and bought a bag of shrimp and placed them all throughout her studio. Aww. So a week later, when there was a recital, yeah. the entire place smelled like, and I quote his wife, 50 dead whore vaginas. Wow. Okay. Dead whore. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. and not just dead yeah. vaginas, dead whore vaginas, and fifty of them specifically. Yes, yes. Yeah. Not, not not forty of no. them. No, not sixty. No, fifty. Fifty. Cinquenta. That was it. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna end on fifty dead whore vaginas. Well, that's what happens when you let rot rotting see. I mean, any of you who are seafood lovers know that. Like, I mean, Chris, you don't know because you, you don't like seafood. You hate the smell. There's a reason. Working in kitchens my entire life. Like when you de-shell shrimp, yeah. you immediately take those shrimp shells. It doesn't matter how full the garbage bag is, you take that garbage bag oh, out. Get them out of there immediately. Yeah. Because if not, in about thirty minutes, the entire kitchen is going to smell like dead whore vagina. Awesome. But cincuenta vagina vagina de putas. <laughs> I don't want to say vagina in Spanish. Uh, okay, good to know, guys. So when you clean your shrimp. 
throw them shits away immediately yeah. outside. Mm-hmm. Take them outside. Yeah, and, and if you really want to lock up the bag tight so the raccoons don't get into it. And, and if you want to make a place smell like death, just put a couple shrimp in some, you know, just, just some places. Just sprinkle some shrimp in your in your enemies' uh, air ducts uh, and in your enemies' air ducts. Yeah, and as long as they don't find it, it will continue to stink forever. May your enemies' air ducts be infested with shrimp. That's a blessing for my church. <laughs> Okay, it's it, it, it's more, it's it, more it, of a curse upon your enemies. But it, it almost sounds like uh, a line from uh, one of the priests from the uh, Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. The Holy Hand Grenade. <laughs> and now shall count to ten, count to, ten, to three, count to three shrimps. That's a count to three. You can count to two only if it is. What you will count to two, but only if it's followed by followed, three. followed by three, but not four. That is one too many. Hey, I, I don't know about. Oh no. Oh no, priest. I got four shrimp here. And then you shall lob it at thine enemy and blow them to smithereens. I don't know, but I do know that the fox demon told me to eat these shrimp. Oh, the fox demon. Oh, did you? Man, I hope you didn't bang that fox demon. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So she she so, literally sucked uh, your soul then. There's the fourth coming. Um, I spoke with Simon Time, had a catch-up with him, a quarantine catch-up. I spoke with him and asked him about some of the things that's been getting him through the last few months. Uh, you know, he hasn't been able to host trivia shows in person, but he does have a new show, a couple oh, of shows to promote. That all changes uh, now, Chris. Well, we'll see now. Yeah, he's uh, waiting anxiously for more people to call him, let him know to, to come on down and, and try to make some cash. Uh, but I did a catch up with him. So here's me hanging out with Simon, talking a bit, having a good time for about uh, 10 to 15 minutes or so. And then we're going to be back with the second half of the show. So are, are you guys hanging out with Heinz or with um, Hunt's Ketchup? Hunt's? Are you kidding me? Hunt's? I'm tasking. Get out of my house. <laughs> All right, Simon, good to see you, but you even got a background with the green and the question marks. No one even sees this, and you're still, like, super Simon time. You know, you know. One of my favorite things is when I show up to, like, an, uh, uh, somebody's house or an after party somewhere, and, you know, you know the way I dress. Yeah. <laughs> they say, like, oh, did you just come from a show? And I go, no, why? And there's just an awkward, like, look around, like, you. oh, you just... You're dressed very interestingly is the nicest way I've gotten it. Yeah, you're walking around in your wrestling onesie. It's uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's intimidating, this guy. Yeah, yeah, my, my tights, my boots, my <laughs> knee pads pulled down Ric Flair style. I still got wrist tape on. Yeah, the uh, the jacket with all the question marks on it. <clears throat> yeah, see, bro, the, and, and people think we're joking around, but legit. Like, back when I had my, my long hair, mm-hmm. I used to part it directly down the middle. Yeah, hard that part. Was, that's what they call the Simon Says. Yeah. And I'll never forget at a show in Zephyr Hills, some guy pulled me aside. Goes, you know what I love about Simon Says, man, is that he lives the gimmick. Look at this. Like, he made sure his hair was done in the Says style before he even got to the venue. And my buddy Dan, who's been on the Simon Time Trivia Show podcast, was like, um, he does his hair like that all the time. <laughs> and I could, like, hear like the curb your enthusiasm song playing in my head as everyone just like oh like oh this guy is uh, just a dork <laughs> i thought that was his gimmick no it takes a it takes a strong man to walk around with a hard part like that dead in the center for any of the cinema yeah. Crispadisa listeners who have ever seen the movie willard it's the willard haircut 
Yeah, they can check. Yeah, it is Crispin Glover. They can check your <laughs> Facebook profile to find pictures of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Bring a beauty. It is. All right, so buddy, I'm catching up with uh, with like friends of the show. People have been on before, especially people have been on like multiple times, mm. and uh, I want to catch people up on like what you've been up to because the last six months, seven months for all of us have been terrible. Crazy. Unless you're Jeff Bezos, it's been terrible. So yeah. Uh, what kind of things, art-wise, have been getting you through the the so-called quarantine catch-up pandemic? My uh, well, the biggest thing has been trivia. Yes, of course. The biggest thing for me has still been able to do my. So you do trivia on uh, Facebook? Yeah. On uh, well, the thing is, like when the pandemic first hit, it was one day to the next. Yes. It was. Copper Rocket telling me, hey, we're still going to have you on, this and that. And then literally the day before my show, they were like, hey, trivia's canceled indefinitely. Uh, they basically fired me WWE style without firing me. Well, best of luck in your future endeavors. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. <laughs> you know, and it was just like that. And and then it was the uh, Loma Bowl and then Boardwalk Bowl and then systematically one by one, they canceled. Mm -hmm. So um, I was very fortunate, I guess is the word I'm gonna use, that uh, I had the idea to do the live stream because uh, I was the first one to do it. I was the first one to, to pop up with trivia. West 2 News ran a story on it when all mm -hmm. these other companies started popping up. Um, and the real reason I did it was because I didn't want to lose touch with my trivia players. Mm -hmm. I try to be very uh, uh, oriented and let people know they're not just these folks that drone in to occupy my games and then they're out of sight, out of mind. I've grown some real relationships with these people. So doing the live stream started with that. Thankfully, they've helped us financially, but the live stream games have been a big, big part of the last six months. Yeah, that makes a, a big deal, like connecting with your players like that. Uh it's a week-to-week -week thing for yeah. some of your regulars so to yeah. lose that it's, for they, six months at a time is huge so that's yeah. a, a smart way to maintain those relationships i've gotten some really really touching emails chris from people that were like simon my depression was so bad i don't know how i would have gotten through without your your three shows a week doing the live stream and, and, and supplying some normalcy being able to talk to some of the people we see at the venues mm. so uh the live streams has been a big big part of the last six months for for me too you know it's, it's a release like i said for me too yeah. I, 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 trivia is not a job for me you know there's the famous quote that if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life uh and i can attest to that doing you know working with you and and and, and working for curtis definitely helps out yeah absolutely uh, I can see that for sure. All right. Well, then doing the other shows is number one. Then give me a number two. What else has been getting you through the last few months? So Jenny and I kind of did the math uh, for a year and 32 days, I think it was. Mm -hmm. For a year and 32 days, I had no days off. Literally, wow. there was not a single day that I got to just sit around. It was either trivia or a private party or a business event or a corporate event or uh doing a house party or the podcast or going to the news station to do trivia mm -hmm. no days off mm -hmm. which means you know i don't watch tv and i have a lot of time for movies uh and the main thing was for uh for my number two was video games man i love video games nice and then got to get back to the gaming uh some of the the the, the folks from Cinema Crespediso fan base may know uh, I have twin 10-year-old boys, Ben and Dexter. And the boys are just now starting to bloom into being little gamers. Mm -hmm. You know, they mm -hmm. before they came to live with me, you know, they're my stepkids. They didn't play video games. The boys had never picked up a remote control and played, so I kind of fostered that. 
So really, really got to like re become reacquainted, not with uh, necessarily new games, but games that I love playing and shared with them. Resident Evil, the originals, the remakes came out, so we've been doing that. Mm -hmm. um, just recently, I got them into Monster Hunter, which is my jam, and watching them having to like strategize and like pick because there's so much customization and seeing the stuff that they come up with versus the stuff I have. Mm -hmm. So playing video games and, and Jen loves watching people play video games. Really? Yeah. That is that's I lucked out big time. She doesn't like to play so much, but she will she will sit her butt on the couch and be glued to the story that's going on. Or she'll be my walkthrough person. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I need help. Look this up. <laughs> that, that's what I figured you and I would be doing if, if, if we had linked up earlier in our lives and, and would have had a bachelor pad, we would have been each other's walkthrough guy. Yeah, I'm stuck, dude. Look up level 24. What do yeah. I do <laughs> in the lava pits? I'm, I'm dude, stuck. Dude, this boss keeps killing me. <laughs> I, How, I the hell supposed to... <laughs> How do you beat the Gorgon? I can't do it. Yeah, you're going to jump on his head. Yeah, yeah, like that. You got to jump, video games jump on its head and grab a mirror. <laughs> uh, what what system? What video game systems are you using? Uh, I play my PS4 primarily, oh, okay. and the boys have an Xbox One. Ooh, do it the both, only I see. Yeah, you know when you live on the big side of town. Yeah, the, tri <laughs> the trivia monies. <laughs> Woo! Got a limousine on my lawn. Oh my goodness, Ric Flair ran into the interview. <laughs> there he is. He's about to chop Chris Crespo. <laughs> I can't take one. No, please. Dude, I watched the video yesterday. That's another thing we've been kind of doing a little bit of. Not as much as I hope is watching wrestling. Mm -hmm. And we watched the video from like 2013. So it's like old Flair. We call him Grandma Ric Flair because he looks like someone's grandma. Oh, yeah. Yeah, bro, yeah. Bro, 60-something years old, Chris, and he was still chopping the hell out of guys. That That's the one thing. He probably still does like uh, he works on his arms and his chest. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that's it. And that's it. Yeah, so he can still chop people. He goes to the punching bag and he just chops it over and over again. He's got that wiry old man strength too, man. Yeah. Oh, he probably just squeezes tennis balls when he's sitting around in the hot tub. That's it. That's all he does. But yeah, uh, the PS4 and the Xbox One and the only cross-platform game we've been able to play. The boys finally cracked me and got me into Fortnite. So that's been the big part of. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah Fortnite yeah. is huge. I can totally see why kids are addicted. <laughs> Yeah, they tapped into something. That's that's uh, it's, it's amazing when something comes around and it, and they figured it out. What a money grab! Yeah, and, that's amazing. And the last part of my gaming is a mobile gaming. I've been doing a lot of that too on my phone. Like phone gaming. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know what? When I think of video games, I always forget about phone games, and that is like now a huge part of of society. It's crazy. Enormous. Yeah, I play that Disney Sorcerer's Arena and Marvel Strike Force. And mm. it is such a money grab, bro. Like I'm, I'm too weak. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful ah. with those those uh, money games. Okay. And what's the third thing uh, getting you through these pandemic days? And lastly, it has been uh, with being away so long with wrestling and trivia. I was never really home very much. So being able to be reacquainted with with my fiance, Jen, we've spent an extraordinary amount of time watching TV and movies. Yeah, I remember my, one of my favorite parts of, of the quarantine, if you can even say that, was early, early on, we sat and binged the entire series of Walking Dead. Hey, there you go. That's a lot. That's what, seven, eight seasons, maybe more? Yeah. Yeah. And we binged all of it, dude. Like There was times where I didn't sleep for over a day, like just watching Walking Dead. Like my butt was sore from sitting down. Yeah. 
Uh, and every, everything was Walking Dead in this house. But yeah, watching TVs, working on our Crespo Hundo. Nice. I think this is the furthest I've ever gotten. I just reached 41. Wow. like in her 60s somewhere. Wow. But yeah, dude, watching TV, watching movies, Walking Dead. Ben and Dexter are starting to develop a taste for horror movies. Ooh. So we've been watching like old classics. Like what? Uh, and then from... Uh, we just, uh, I was going to say we went to the drive-in. We go to the drive-in a lot because it's safe. We're in the mm -hmm. car. Mm -hmm. We just saw Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, and Lost Boys. You showed that? You showed those to Ben and Dex? Yeah, dude. Uh, 10 years old. I guess that's right around the age when you can start. Because that first Nightmare on Elm Street is less comedic than the sequels. It is. It is. They, they were expecting funnier for sure. And yeah. Uh, they were like, uh, this isn't that funny. No, no. no. Uh, like the blood fountain that comes out of Johnny Depp's Woo! bed and stuff. Oh, my Woo! God. Woo! <laughs> yeah, but then we took them to see the new Invisible Man. That's an intense movie. We took two separate cars. Yeah. And the, the boys and our friend Hank was in one, and Jenny mm -hmm. and I and Harry were in the other. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene with a really pop, a big pop-up in the attic. I'm not going to give spoilers, mm -hmm. but I remember seeing it build, the music, and I'm like, oh, boy, I hope the boys are okay. Yeah. And I remember looking into the next car. Ben had his popcorn bucket over his eyes, and Dexter had, like, his hat pulled down, like, with the brim over his face. <laughs> yeah. And then they did the, the fake out, like no scariness. Mm -hmm. And then the pop up, and I just saw popcorn fly everywhere. <laughs> it got him. That is so funny. Yeah. I, I know exactly the moment you're talking about, too, in that Ooh, movie. Bro, it got me. Yeah, it got one, me. It's one of the better scenes. That's hysterical. Uh, yeah, 10 years old is a good age to start getting them into. Uh, might as well start introducing them to the horrors of the world via, <laughs> via cinema. Because at least yeah. in horror movies, typically, uh, the evil is vanquished at the end. Yes, for the most part. Yeah, so it's kind of yeah. nice to then show that to kids. We're like, yeah, there's bad things out there, but look, Van Helsing killed the monsters, so yeah, they we're okay. They uh, we're we're super excited because we have tickets for October first mm -hmm. at the Silver Moon Driving in Lakeland. It's a marathon from seven p.m. to five thirty in the morning. Whoa, bro, it's a marathon, but it's all of the original Universal Hollywood monster films from the thirties. Uh. The original 30s and 40s yeah, ones? Wow. The originals. So we're very, we're, we're like Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, uh -huh. Creature from the Black Lagoon, The yep. Mummy, The Invisible Man. So it's going to be, we're excited. That spans a lot of years. That's like from the 30s to the 50s. Because I think uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon may have been a 50s movie. 54, you're right. Yeah. Holy cow. I don't know how I know that, but 54. That's cool. Let's go let you know it. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that sounds like a lot of fun. Dude, this was a lot of fun. Hey, we did it, buddy. Uh, so we're at the end. Promote the new live trivia show that you're doing now uh, over by UCF. Guys, after seven long months, we are finally back at Island Wings UCF. It's the newest show on my trivia weekly schedule. 9.30 p.m., so it is a late-night hospitality show. But we're outside on the patio, social distancing. People got their masks on. I have a sanitation station. Uh, and, it's bro, I, I was so nervous to go out. I'm still a little ninny when it comes to all the pandemic stuff. And I don't As you should be, yes. Trip. It's a respiratory but, disease. It's terrible. Be, you should yes. be cautious. Yes. Yes, I have had a upper respiratory infection uh, many years ago, and I can only imagine how much worse this might be. Mm -hmm. um, but they were very, very um, uh, productive. They were very proactive in making sure that I felt safe, the crowd felt safe. Mm -hmm. And it is Tuesday nights at 9.30 p.m. at Island Wings UCF. 
Uh, and then on October 4th, I'll be back at the Aloma Bowling Center, Sunday night, 6.30 p.m. I'm going to be on the lanes, so there's plenty of separation. Wow. Uh, yeah. And, of course, check Chris, myself, and Jenny out on the Simon Time Trivia Show podcast, everybody. Yes, please do. The hottest trivia podcast in the Southeast, at least, I would say. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, the, a, it's the number one show of its kind with, with me, Jen, and Chris. <laughs> it is. And there's no other show featuring the three of us that's better. I'll tell you that. 100%. It's great. It is definitely the hottest podcast being recorded on this side of the street. <laughs> yeah. And on this side at the same time, simultaneously. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> at least these days, you know, you got to be careful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. It was great talking to you, man. You know, my our listeners, Chris Soul listeners, love you. So I'm sure they'll be happy to hear from you this week. Bro, I, I get so tickled. Like, I squeal whenever I get a text from you about coming on Cinema Crespediso. I know. And you know what? I mean, I don't know. The next time I'll ever have a guest in studio, to be, yeah. to be perfectly fair, to be honest. But I figured this is one way where we can still uh, connect with people. No, I love this, buddy. You're you're doing great things. I'm glad that you stayed safe. Give my love to the family and to uh, Joe and Drewster. And uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Heck yeah, dude. Appreciate it. Everyone, make sure you hook up with Simon Time and check out his trivia, you local yokels. And thank you very much, Simon. Check out the Simon Time Trivia Show. Rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Spotify or Stitcher. I think we're on Amazon Podcasts now. I think that's a thing. I think we're on it. Not Crespediso, but what? we're not on it yet. I think I still have to upload our stuff, but Steve uploaded all the PFT Media stuff, so uh, Crespediso's on its own <sighs> server, because I'm not smart. The uh, Patreon, going strong, patreon.com slash Crespediso. We have uh, we have requests. We have requests, Drew. Simon Time. Speaking of Simon Time, sign up to be a patron. Oh, nice. And he's, Thanks, uh, Simon. he's a $5 executive producer patron. So Which, what, what does he want from us? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> what does he want? Mm-mm. He wants us to review his favorite movie of all time, Hocus Pocus. He loves Hocus Pocus. I'm aware. So it's happening. Fuck. Eventually. Eventually. There's no... That's the thing, Drew. I, I say we will do these episodes. Practically promise them. I don't put a timetable on nothing. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> on our leisure. But yes, we'll do it. So we got a Hocus Pocus episode coming up. We have uh, recommendations for some other episodes. Patreon.com slash So guys, sign up. Get in on the fun. Uh, cinema Crespodiso at gmail.com. Email us and we'll read it on the show like this. <laughs> or maybe not. Uh, ah. Oh, here we go. We got, we got, uh, <laughs> we got one email. Yep, we got an email from Gabe. What's up, Gabe? What up, show? A little bit of ice audio for Tony. Watched a couple of documentaries and a couple of Netflix arrivals and a lame trailer short question mark. Okay. Danger Close review. Danger Close? Danger Close. Okay. Reporter gets integrated into some Army Special Forces unit. The story is centralized around this one particular engineer who built a base practically by himself but covers the journalist journalist's journey too. Circa 2007... It was okay. All right. The journalist is wounded, returns to America to visit this soldier's family, and tries to get back there to this base. It's a documentary? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Journalism. War journalism is very interesting. Uh, it makes me think of stuff like Killing Fields and uh, Wars of Force. It gives us meaning. 
uh, Citizen Soldier review. I don't know why, but I was immediately fiending for another war documentary. <laughs> it was a weird hole I fell in. I guess I picked an earlier documentary from the previous director. This was about reservists who get sent out on deployment and their experience out there. Some tough shit. Just patrolling. Reminded me of my uncle, who was a recruiter re-signing guys for extended service once their contracts were up. He told me he would prefer to fly in a Blackhawk because the IED shit was just too prevalent and left him very paranoid. Mm. This documentary follows this company from Oklahoma. I liked it better than Danger Close. Okay. So maybe watch them in that order. If you're, if you're interested in checking out the documentaries, watch that in your clothes and go back and watch another one. Citizen Soldier. Devil All the Time review. Hey, we reviewed this last week. All right, let's hear the games review. Uh, it's kind of an intertwined anthology of this back road West Virginia area. Mm-hmm. Kind of a Sin City-like but expanded over time between World War II and the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. It's really well done. The pacing and editing is superb. Yep. And I was really enthralled with every character on screen. And all actors you know or seen before and... No one really dropping the ball. The cast did great. This one is the best things I've seen in 2020. Probably probably top three. Wow. It's graphic in parts, but I feel like I would love to watch it again. Very Coen Brothers reminded me of Buster Scruggs, but less humorous, and I was surprised to find out it wasn't them. So a compliment to the director. Watch this gem. There you go. Uh, rave review from Gabe for Devil All the Time on Netflix. Yeah, We talked about that one last week, so uh, spoiler free, obviously. Uh, so if you want to hear more reviews, check that or just watch the movie on Netflix. Oh, uh, Nola Holmes review. All right, here we go. I saw someone mention Superman as Sherlock Holmes in the group, but I thought this was some pipe dream for next year or something, but found this looking in New Arrivals. Mm-hmm. This is a very charming, fun, classic Sherlock Holmes type movie. Very lady empowerment. Mm-hmm. It's a nice watch. Nothing groundbreaking, but very entertaining. Good enough. I wouldn't mind watching it again. Yeah, good enough. Definitely. If you're a fan of anagrams, you have a lot of fun with this movie. Solavante. Solavante. Ay ay ay. This is that uh, that that short anime that I talked about a couple months ago. All right, there you go. So I already watched this. I was curating my Netflix list and saw this quick little four-minute thing that promised a hand-drawn 4K anime. So I'm kind of curious, thinking I'm gonna get some kind of modern version of the old-school Disney classics, mm-hmm. old-school hand-drawn with some new technology. But this is just a digital anime. Mm. Nothing new. A lot of the newer anime mixes 2D and 3D animation, and this is more of the same. Hmm. The description is marketing like gluten-free water. So this is this is the angriest four minutes I ever wasted. Apparently, Netflix Japan is gearing up for a digital anime, and this is a four-minute trailer for it. Question mark? I don't know. That's fucking a pass for me, dog. It's a pass for you, Randy Jackson. Okay, it's a pass for Randy Jackson. Um, do you remember? Do you remember uh, yeah. watch it? Did you? Uh, is it a trailer? Or is this a it, short? It's just a it's just a four minute just short. A four minute short. It, it, I guess it could be a it, work just, work as a commercial. It could be a trailer. It could be. I don't fucking knows. Four minutes yeah. of uh, pretty colors and <laughs> cosmic dragons. So I'm, in the, I'm okay with that. I'm into that game. Relax, buddy. Relax. He's like, no, get out of here with your garbage. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, appreciate it, but thanks for emailing. Seriously, though, cinemacrespedisa.gmail.com. We also have the Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, you should get off of it. But if you're not going to get off of it, join our group. It's a very chill group, Cinema So I put up a comment slash question thread weekly that you can use if you wish, just like this. Uh, Cremella gets at us. What up, Cremella? With the Comey miniseries about to come out, Comey. what are your p- favorite movies about politics or political thrillers? Hmm. 
it's one of my least favorite subgenres. So I had to deep, so I had to dig deep to think of JFK, Argo, mm-hmm. Dick, mm-hmm. Election, mm-hmm. and Elvis and Nixon, and Oliver Stone's Nixon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess Nixon makes a good movie character. Yeah. What say you? <coughs> Nixon does make a good character. John Cusack plays him in The Butler. Yep. Right. Lee Daniels. Lee Daniels. Excuse me. <laughs> Lee Daniels, the butler. Excuse me. Lee Daniels, the butler. That'd be a good one. Um, all the president's men. I was just about to say. Speaking of Robert Redford. Yeah. Right. That was this episode when we were talking about him, right? Yeah. Robert Redford. Uh-huh. Um, it all blends together. The uh, that that one's really really well made. I saw for the first time like seven years ago, eight years ago, something like that. Fairly relatively recently. Like I didn't see it when I was a kid or nothing. Political thrillers are hard to do. It could be interesting. They were big yeah. in the 70s. Yeah. Three Days of the Condor. Mm-hmm. That's when, uh, again, Robert Redford, he uh, goes out to get coffee. Uh, he works at a CIA uh, office. He goes out to get coffee, comes back, everyone's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what? And then he kidnaps a woman, spends three days dragging her around, trying to figure out the truth. And then at the end, they fall in love. It's very problematic. Very good movie. Well, Stockholm Syndrome's a bitch. Yeah. Yes, the uh, political political ones. I mean, JFK is a good choice. Oliver Stone. That's what he does. W. He's W. Nixon and JFK. He Mm -hmm. he loves his uh, presidential type type movies. What do you think, guy? I mean, those are yeah. Right. It's it's hard. It's a hard genre to crack. The Contender. You ever see that one? I don't think so. Early two thousands. About someone running for some sort of office. But a unnamed like sex scandal looms or something, and they're trying to figure out how they're going to navigate it. I mean, there's uh, the whole. Good. I mean, a lot of the. Um, oh, Manchurian Candidate. I was about to say Manchurian Candidate, and uh, a lot of the uh, Harrison Ford action movies where he's quote unquote Jack Ryan. The CIA stuff. <laughs> Clear present danger. Yeah. Uh, Hunt for Red October. All uh, that stuff. Uh, 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 the Patriot Games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. All stuff made with the cooperation of the CIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's all. That all gets the uh, political yeah. maneuverings yep. and dealing with the uh, regimes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, Jack Ryan. That's good. I like Jack Ryan stuff. Mm-hmm. Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan. Shadow recruit. Anyone remember Chris? Oh Pine? yeah, oh, yeah. Chris yeah. Yes, I forgot. Oh, yeah. And uh, fucking uh, what's his face? <laughs> who? 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 I forgot. Um. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, God. Damn, Dances like, with Wolves. Uh, Waterworld. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. That's right. He's the recruiter. <laughs> yeah. He's the shadow recruiter. Yeah. That's right. That's right about that. Kevin Costner, shadow recruiter. Boy. <laughs> Boy, that was not good. Uh, well, there you go. All right, what else we got? And... Do, do, Ron gets at us. What up, Ron? What's your, what are your thoughts on Pen15 and Utopia? I finished Utopia. People are shitty to it due to the British version. Hmm. I, as another gentleman, enjoyed it and binged it all day Friday. Okay, I have wow, not seen. Already. I oh. have not watched Pen Fifteen or Utopia. Pen Fifteen just put a new season. Um, that's been a very well liked show for a few years now. Okay, uh, gotta watch that one. It, the conceit is that the creators are these two women who. It's a high school comedy. Uh, like an adolescence comedy, uh, but they're playing the characters, so they're like in their thirties, but oh. playing teenagers, oh, no, and no. they look very awkward. Str- strangers with candy, yeah, strangers with candy, same thing, mm-hmm. right? 
And so that's supposed to be very good. And uh, Utopia just came out, so you already binge it. Damn, Ron, already giving us the heads up on Utopia, checking it out. I appreciate it, buddy. That one sounds interesting. That's about uh, it's like a comic book related in a way where like comic book characters like this, this comic book exists, but like things start happening in, in the real world. So all these like teens got to come together to stop it or some shit like that. Mm. I think that's that one. More teenagers. John Q. Speaking of John Cusack, John Cusack's in that. Okay. All right. Interesting. <laughs> so I haven't seen uh, Pen Fifteen yet, and uh, but Utopia was on the was on the list of things to check out. What so. service is that on? Pen Fifteen Tulu Utopia is Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Haven't heard of either of them. Hey, I'm telling you, uh, all the shows coming out this fall are crazy. Anything else for the? Uh... Nope. That's it. Well, then I'll go ahead and jump into it, Drew. It's time for another edition, the newest segment of 2020, the best segment of 2020. Chris Reed, TW Magazine, so you don't have to. Look who's on the cover of this thing. Oh, oh child. It's a baby Yoda. It's not Yoda. It's the baby Yoda. It's not baby Yoda, though. So baby Yoda's on the cover of you. It's a child. It's a uh, variant, one of two variant. And it's a fall TV preview, Drew. The amount of shows coming out this fall are stupid. And uh, but I pulled the three things. I pulled the three things. You can probably go to ew.com to see their fall preview, to see all the stuff they have coming. They have a whole calendar in here, uh, which is yeah. This is including Fargo season four. Well, that starts soon. It starts soon, and um, the reviews aren't too hot for it. But I'll watch it anyway because it's a stacked cast. And Hello, it's a exactly. Fucking, it's a goddamn yeah, yeah. Fargo show. But there's a whole thing since it's on the cover. There's a whole thing about Mandalorian in here. I pulled a couple things from it. First off, uh, apparently, amongst the new directors for this year, like Robert Rodriguez directed an episode. Carl Weathers directed an episode. Hey, good friend. Yeah, it's really cool. And then we have a confirmed uh, cast, though not necessarily um, what roles they may be playing. But we have some of that here. Uh, Rosario Dawson as... Uh, Ahsoka Tano from the um, Clone Wars okay. show. Uh, Michael Bean <laughs> just says he's a mysterious bounty hunter. That's that's exciting. I love Michael Bean. Katie Sackoff from Battlestar Galactica is playing as some sort of faction leader. Oh, this is my favorite one. Timothy Oliphant will play Cobb Vanth, a sheriff of a Tatooine settlement who has previously only appeared in Star Wars novels. Of course. So yeah, we, so we yeah, need Sheriff Bullock. We need, we, a, we, we, need, we need Seth Bullock back, please. Yes. <laughs> we need a space western sheriff. Get Timothy Oliphant <laughs> on the phone. So like, yep, I'm here. <laughs> I got you. Um, Tamara Morrison, who played uh, Jango Fett in the um, prequels, and who's ostensibly supposed to be like all the clones, all the clones. He uh, is in it somehow. So people have been trying cool. to figure out how um, Boba Fett. Maybe somehow factors into it if that's a possibility. Interesting. And, and then was there something else in this article here? Want to double check? Well, it's a fine little article. We'll talk about all the all the things they put into it. Um, it's right between a couple pharmaceutical ads. So there you go. There's some Mandalorian stuff. That's thing number one. Thing number two. Uh, they did a little feature here on cinematic feuds and spats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like The Rock and Vin Diesel mm-hmm. um, from Magic Mike, Channing Tatum and Alex Pettiford didn't get together. Uh, there was one here that I pulled. Oh, yes. Oh. Have you ever seen Blade Trinity? Yes. Uh, remember how bad it was? Yes. How stilted and weird yes. it is? 
Um, here's a little bit on Wesley Snipes for Blade Runner, for Blade Runner, for Blade Runner Trinity, where he played a vampire, uh, vampire droid hunter, replicant hunter vampire. What? Uh, and is this in the Matrix universe? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's my main Matrix universe. I wrote it because I'm the new Jesus. Okay. Unholy Trinity for Blade Trinity, the franchise's third installment star Wesley Snipes' biggest enemy was... Himself. Well, <laughs> it should have been himself. It says everyone. The fact that the movie exists puts it above Citizen Kane, Patton Oswalt has joked, describing Snipes as, quote, fucking crazy in a hilarious way on the trouble production. Among Snipes' actions, according to Patton Oswalt, refusing to leave his trailer, attempting to strangle director David Goyer, staying in ca- character off camera, and communicating only via post-it notes which would be signed from Blade. Snipes denies all the claims except the last one. That may have happened, he concedes. <laughs> um, another thing I happen to know about this movie, he would finally, they'd finally get him out of his set. They'd have to shoot the coverage with, who was, what's her name? Uh, Jessica Biel and Ryan, uh, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. They have to cover the, there was the three of them together. When they did their scenes, they had Wesley Snipes a stand-in and shot him from different angles. And then when they needed uh, Snipes' side, they finally get him out of the trailer, get him in front of the camera, and then he would refuse to speak. He wouldn't say his lines. So Ryan Reynolds would say his lines, then he would say Blade's lines. So it, it's, it's... Yeah, it's an awful movie. It makes it worth watching to be like, how did, <laughs> how, how did they do this? This is incredible. So I pulled that. And then uh, finally, this is interesting. So they have... Um, uh, section here where it's like books, books coming out 25, 15, 15 fabulous fall reads, which includes uh, Ready Player Two comes out this fall. Oh, nice. Uh, but this one that I'm looking forward to, and I'm definitely gonna get the paperback, The Nolan Variations by Tom Schoen. And it's uh, just about, with Christopher Nolan's help, it's a movie about all of his movies, including Tenet. So you can get the insight on him being a that shit crazy British man uh, obsessed with time. On how he figured it out, yes. How do you make these movies? Well, let me tell you. So, uh, there's a whole Nolan book coming out this fall that sounds uh, one of many books that sounds very interesting. Um, decent, decent edition of EW. It was a fine enough read. So, there you go. That was Chris Reed, EW Magazine. So, you don't have to. I got a whole bunch of new stories. We got to run through them, Drew. So, uh, Disney delays. The. Uh, 2020 Disney has now just thrown it in the trash. Mm-hmm. Black Widow moved from May to November to May of 2021, <laughs> which now pushes Eternals from November to February to November of 2021. Uh, they have thrown in the towel there on 2020 movies. How much longer will theaters stay open? Well, I mean, here in Florida, uh, they will stay open forever because we are never going back to being locked down. We're never going back. 11% positivity rate. Who gives a fuck? Doesn't matter. Phase three, reopen. Reopen, baby. Uh, we have a nice little rundown here of uh, what they got. So, Black Widow, May. Eternals, November. Which then pushes everything else. Shang-Chi. Uh, wait, where is it? Here we go. Um, Shang-Chi moved to July 2021. So, it's going to go... Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals. Now, they're just throwing that in there, I guess. Now, now here, here's my question. Because that one's done. Here's my question. With now 2020 being, what, the only year since Marvel movies started coming out that a Marvel movie didn't come out? Mm-hmm. 
think maybe they lost some of that role? Are people going to be fiending for these Marvel movies the way that they have been now that they've been given a break from it? Especially the big comeback being Black Widow, not necessarily a character. Big comeback, my ass. That movie's going to flop. I'm sorry, guys. doesn't matter how long you push that movie back. That movie was relying on Marvel being the hot, big thing. And just uh, cranking stuff out on a regular basis. Yes. Um, and we, we are beyond that now. You're... Yeah. I'm I'm sorry, but the movie's not going to do well. Well, don't be sorry. I mean, <laughs> Crespo Domus has spoken. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. In Tokyo Disneyland, they debuted a brand new Beauty and the Beast ride. Okay, look at these dancing animatronics. We got a bell dancing with the prince uh-huh. in non-beast form, uh-huh. and they're straight up they're, the way their legs moving. Can you see them legs? Uh huh. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, the technology that they use at these parks are, are top-notch. And the reason being is because they're not exactly funded by Disney. Duh. That the, well, no, not the. I did not know this. At Tokyo Disneyland, um, it's the only Disney park that's not owned by Disney entirely. It's uh, operated by Oriental Land Company. They're licensing Disney IP, and they work with their um, Imagineering company, but they spend the money, which is why they have... Like All the, the crazy stuff that we don't. The Pirates of the Caribbean with the tentacle, no. Davy Jones animatronic. Now they got a uh, dancing animatronics in the in the Beauty and the Beast ride. Um, it's pretty wild that they're they're putting yeah. even more money into their theme parks than Disney has on their own. Makes it worth going to check out those parks uh, someday, or perhaps once and, you're allowed to travel there again. Speaking of dumping a bunch of money into stuff, Passion of the Christ two. We've talked about it before. We got confirmation, further confirmation. Speaking of Jim Caviezel, it's happening. Uh, Jim Caviezel but, says Passion is going to be the biggest film in world history. But, but, but he, but he died. <laughs> but and then was, <laughs> then he comes back to life. The final shot of the movie is uh is like his the hand, the hole in his hand. I think I think even the sun shines through or something like that. Um. It, yes, it's about the 40 days after he comes back, and there's, like, sightings of him. And let's say where he's kind of a specter. It sounds boring as fuck. Uh-huh. No one gives a shit about this part of the story. Um, so the fact that he thinks it's going to be the, the biggest film in history is uh, delusional, insane, and maybe just him hoping that he needs, once again, another payday? I mean, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's hoping to, you know, he wants that Jesus paycheck. He does with that Jesus paycheck. The the original cost Mel Gibson thirty million dollars to make, funded himself, grossed six hundred million dollars worldwide. Uh, so yeah, Mel Gibson, Passion of the Christ two, cancel culture, real question mark. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a virulent anti semite. Virulent anti semite. Um, speaking of canceling, and cancel culture, uh, I guess you can cancel yourself. That's what uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg might be doing with Quibi. Mm. I enjoy following stories of failure. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, movie pass. Movie pass. Uh, Quibi. Looking like they're going down that path. It says here, Wall Street Journal. Quibi is exploring several strategic options, including a possible sale. Um, boy, oh boy. <laughs> because people, I mean, yes, people have short attention spans, mm. but when it comes to viewing shows they can still sit down in front of a television for 20 minutes just because someone is on a uh, on a bus somewhere for 20 minutes doesn't mean now nah, i gotta watch a bunch of things in tiny chunks yeah yeah it's stupid and 
when he tried to like reinvent a wheel or uh, uh, give something that people really don't need or aren't even asking for. Then you find yourself with this huge public failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but sometimes if you go back to things that work, they may work in your favor. Things that have been uh, tried and true, such as... They used to do this a lot more back in the day, Drew Sakagbun. The old movie of the week. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That was a that was a thing. thing. 70s and 80s. Yeah. Movie of the week. Uh, the Paramount Network. They've had an interesting history. Paramount Network. I actually have it here. Started in 1983. Channel was created uh, as a partnership between a radio station and Westinghouse Broadcasting. And that was the Nashville Network, right? And it was all about mm-hmm. country music. Nashville Network got acquired um, by a company that also had CMT. So they pushed all the music to CMT. And then there was like all rodeos and shit. And like Toby Keith Presents and stuff like that. Um, Nashville Network in 2000 got bought by Viacom. They turned it into the National Network and tried to make it more of a national appeal type thing. Just if by years. national you mean Midwest, yeah. But trying, but trying to get away from it. So now we want the coasts <laughs> to tune in, right? How do you get the coastal elites to turn into your channel? You change the name of it to Spike. <laughs> yes, I remember Spike. Spike TV. Um, from 2003 until 2018, Spike TV. It was Spike TV and then it was just Spike. Uh, 2018 is when it became the Paramount Network. And uh, it changed its name once again to the Paramount Movie Network. They're going to focus a lot on just airing movies on their channel, obviously Paramount stuff. And it's a cable network, so it's not like it's a streaming service. And they are um, going to do 52 original movies per year, one movie a week. They're they're producing movie of the week. So TV movies are coming back. TV movies are coming back on the Paramount Movie Network. And they're... They do have some shows, like uh, Yellowstone is their show, so they're going to start showing that in like two-episode chunks with limited commercials. So they're going to even try to show their TV programming in a more cinematic light. So that is uh, mm-hmm. pretty interesting. And they're also canceling um, reality shows, Ink Master, Wife Swap, and Battle of the Fittest Couples. Good. <laughs> Yeah, Drew hated Battle of the Fittest Couples. Uh, I've never he, seen it. He railed against it. I was like, Drew, we're not going to talk about it on the show. So now you don't have to talk about it. Okay, I won't. <laughs> I know, I can see. Appa- apparently, I can see bubbling in you. Apparently, I've already said my piece. I see I see you want to rage. <laughs> it's, it's, but it's fine. You don't have to. Until it gets picked up by Bravo. And, uh, Bravo. The Fittest Couples. Hey, you know, I'm the Fittest Couple. <laughs> I'm the fittest trinity. The fittest trinity. Mm-hmm. Fittest holy Rambo trinity. The fittest holy Rambo trinity. Me and the sexy fox. We're gonna, we'll show you what's up. Um, fifty-two movies, new movies a year. Sounds tough as hell, but they're gonna do it, or they're saying they're gonna do it. It sounds like they're going to be cheap. Yeah, that's if, the thing. If you're making 52 movies, that's the thing. You're definitely not spending you, not even a million dollars of production. I, I'd say, <laughs> man, you know, I was gonna say two million, two million of production for 52 movies. You're gonna dump 108 million dollars. You give that to Marvel, that's half a Black Widow. Yeah, yeah. So, and yes, it's gonna be made for TV. Like, whoa. but but like uh, maybe one week, Michael Shannon will pop up. You're like, hey, it's playing a dirty cop. 
Aren't they all dirty? Yeah, fucking cops. Um, speaking of doing the impossible, like making 52 movies a year, Tom Cruise uh, continues on his journey of making a movie in outer space. Mm-hmm. He secured $200 million from Universal, yeah. and him and Doug Lyman are have, going up. Yeah. They, they completed the next step. They booked their seats on the October 2021 uh, SpaceX flight, the Dragon Axiom. Uh, and there's still an empty seat on the flight if you want to go. By the time this article came out, maybe not anymore. Yeah, probably not. Because it's fucking... Oh, Tom Cruise is going to be on that... Uh, on that uh, ship? Rocket? What do you call it? <laughs> yeah, it's a rocket. It's a rocket ship. We're going to put our biggest movie star in our rockets into outer space. Guys, I don't know if this is a great idea. This is, you're really, really rolling the fate dice on this one, I think, for a, hey, the listen. 2021 hey. version of uh, the Big Bopper. Hey, listen. I guarantee you Tom Crow. Tom Cruise is Tom just, Cruise. He's just trying to get closer to Xenu before he dies. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> I, maybe I can see Xenu from up here. Xenu, save me. Uh, let's see. We got... Uh, oh, I have a handful of stories here that's like essentially just updates on what people are working on, right? So we got Ryan Gosling is working with David Leach. Ryan Gosling will be playing his third stuntman character in a movie. He did one in Drive. Mm-hmm. Did one in The Place Beyond the Pines. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to do one in a movie called... It doesn't have a name. Okay. A Bullet Train. No, that's a different movie. The Gray Man. No, that's a different movie. These are all movies. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Bullet Train is the one where Brad Pitt's on a train, and he's an assassin on the train. Uh, that's a David Leach movie. Get it? As Bullet well. Train? Oh. That makes sense. <laughs> I thought it was just a fast train. It's like, how are they going to film on a train that fast? The cameras can't keep up. The lenses. That kind of deal. Uh, well, maybe there's not a, not a title for it, but it's doing a movie where he's a, a stuntman, but it's like an action movie. And it's David Leach. He's continuing his action mm-hmm. uh, career, getting Ryan Gosling in it. Sounds like fun. Joel Edgerton has a movie that he's developing called Florida Man. Oof. Based on a book called Florida Man. Oof. So based on that, Drew, what do you think? What do you expect from a, a story called Florida Man? I mean, I think it's going to be some sort of... Silly action comedy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Where Florida man like like some dumb. Like like think, uh, did you see the beach bum? I never saw it, but yeah, the Harmony Curran's beach bum. So, so, uh, Matthew Matthew McConaughey. So, so think that, but action comedies. Think Jackass meets the beach bum. Jackass meets the beach bum. All right. Here's the description of the book. Florida circle, 1980. Reed Crow, the eponymous Florida man, is a middle-aged beach bum, a.a. beleaguered and disenfranchised, living on ill-gotten gains deeply in the generally heart of Florida. When sinkholes start opening on Emerald Island, not only are his seedy businesses, a moribund hotel, and a shabby amusement park endangered, but so are his secrets. Crow amateur spelunker begins uncovering artifacts that change his understanding of the island's history as well as his understanding of his family's birthright as pioneering homesteaders. That does not sound like a fun action comedy. No, it does not. At all, using the title Florida Man, the derisive Florida Man, derided. People hate the Florida Man and it's about a guy getting in touch with his roots as a homesteader. Apparently. That's some weird, (laughs) that's some weird shit. But Joel Edgerton's going to play him. So Australian Joel Edgerton's like, oh, I'm Florida, man. Oh, look at me. I'm a speed lunking in the caves of Emerald Island on time, mate. Looking forward to that one. That accent work. Fun. 
Uh, Tony K, director of American History X, has finally lined up another project, and that would be African History Y. <laughs> this is not a spoof. We're not joking. <laughs> oh. Yes. Okay. This is real. <laughs> this is real. Tony K is working with Jimon Honsu yeah. on African African History Y. African History Y. Uh, what is Jamon Honsu's quote? African History Y could not have come at a better time as I explore bringing more extraordinary African stories to the world. I'm excited to be working with Tony, and it's somewhat preordained that he and I have come full circle to work with each other. Okay. Yeah. Some of these movies are crazy. I mean, it's an awful name for a movie. But <laughs> it's okay. terrible, 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 terrible. Okay. Uh, absolutely horrible. Jake Gyllenhaal, we reported this last week. He has the he's working on the remake of The Guilty, the American language version. It found a home. That home will be Netflix. All right. So that's actually the perfect place for it. it right level of expectations for this movie. Mm-hmm. Netflix. This can make a great Netflix movie. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, speaking of Netflix. Some GOP senators have sent a letter to Netflix because they don't like something they're planning on doing. They have Benioff and Weiss Mm -hmm. signed them to a big deal. Mm -hmm. So they're working with Netflix now. Mm -hmm. And they are working on adapting a best-selling science fiction trilogy Mm -hmm. by Chinese writer Liu... Oh, boy. Oh, Chinese. C-I-X-I-N. China. 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 Um, the Three Body Problem was the name of this trilogy, and they're adapting this. But a group of Republican senators sent a letter to Netflix Chief Content Officer and Co-CEO Ted Sarandos, and it was about um, normalizing China's mass imprisonment of Uyghur Muslims in the country's northwestern province of Xinjiang, and uh, working with Liu, the writer, who is just like um, the same shit happened with Mulan, with Donnie Yen and Liu, Liu Yufin, Liu Lufin, um, being like pro-statist. And um, and this guy is like, oh yeah, no, it's, what's happening with the Uyghurs is fine. It's not a genocide and all that. Um, so now these senators are like, what the fuck are you doing? You're normalizing this kind of stuff? It's interesting that that's coming from uh, the GOP. From the GOP. Uh, Marshall Blackburn from Tennessee, Martha McSally from Arizona, Kevin Kramer from North Dakota, Tom Tillis from North Carolina, and that motherfucking lizard man, Rick Scott, even signed a letter. You see. And he's a and it's piece funny. of shit who doesn't all give these, a fuck about people. All these guys are like, we don't want to normalize the impersonation of the Uyghur Muslims. Yeah. But detaining a bunch of Mexicans at the border is totally okay. Hey, you know, Uyghur Muslims they ain't trying to get into our America. They're trying... That's China's problem, all right? But these Mexicans, they've taken my jobs that I don't want to work in. It's hypocritical bullshit. It is hypocritical. It's terrible. Um, I think it's partly because... So, they see Netflix as part of the entertainment engine, the culture engine. Culture is predominantly left-wing and progressive. So uh, I think it's them just finding a way to attack uh, the the makers of that culture, the purveyors of that content, in a way that's you can't argue against them. What they're saying about the uh, norm, working with people who no, are I, like you know I complicit. It's and, just it's just a weird but, stance for them to be taking. Yes, it's, <laughs> like, it's like where were you any other time? Huh. Any other time. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a bunch of that bullshit. Uh, speaking of China, speaking of China, China, um, you know, also the problem with China right now, the producers of Kung Fury 2, 
Uh, the original Kung Fury 30-minute short film made for $1 million. They secured a deal for $10 million to, to make the sequel, um, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Michael Fassbender, and, of course, the, uh, the creator of the whole thing. Uh, what's his name? Uh, David. David's right here. David. Uh, David Sandberg. Let's look at the poster that's behind me. Uh, they had to sue a company for committing to a ten million dollar. Uh, oh, excuse me. The Kung Fury Two budget is thirty three million dollars, um, and a company had uh, committed to ten million, and they have not paid that at all. Mm-hmm. So they're suing them to try to get that ten million so they can finish their movie. Good luck. Yeah, good luck, guys. Because I want to see it. So do I, but good luck. I want to see it. Kung Fury 2. Um, real dream projects. Speaking of dream projects, we got a... Uh, we teased it earlier. Godzilla vs. Kong. It's coming. The score is going to be done by Tom Hulkenberg. Tom Hulkenberg of... Um, known as uh, Junkie XL. Ah, okay. Okay. And he had an interesting story about this. A perfect example... A perfect example of what? I don't know. Uh... I'm a Godzilla freak. I have all the Japanese versions of the movies. At a certain point, just for shits and giggles, I wrote something for Godzilla. He means music-wise. About two years ago, I met the director because he showed interest in me as a composer. I asked him, do you know I'm the biggest Godzilla fan on the planet? And years ago, I wrote some stuff. He was like, yeah, you're kidding me. So we started communicating. I tweaked what I did, played it for him, and he was totally in love. So this guy was like prepping to make a Godzilla themed music before he was even officially on board. So I'm looking forward to. So he was doing it for fun. Yeah, he's doing it for fun, and now he gets to do it for monies, and we'll get to hear it. Uh, I think it's supposed to come out next year. Question mark. We'll see how that goes. He also um, was originally did the original score for Justice League when the whole Joss Whedon thing happened. This score got scrapped. Danny Elfman got brought in. Uh, and now that Zack Snyder is doing the Snyder cut, he uh, got him back to finish his original Justice League score, which is uh, that's one interesting thing. Another interesting thing happening with the Snyder cut is uh, they originally said they weren't going to do reshoots with any of the actors. That has now changed. They are doing reshoots with actors. Gal Gadot, Ben Affleck, and uh, Ray Fisher have all been, uh, and I think Jason Momoa as well. Let me see. Oh, Henry Cavill. Affleck, Cavill, Godot, and Fisher have all been brought in to do a week of reshoots. And the budget was supposed to be $30 million on all the... To finish this it, thing. It has ballooned to... To $70 million, <laughs> Cogburn. Holy cow. Holy cow, that's a lot of money. That's a whole other movie. It's a whole... It's one. <laughs> but now we're going to get a four-fucking-hour miniseries. Justice League miniseries. I'll take it. You know what? That's fine. I'll take off our Justice League miniseries. Good or bad. I'm, I'm totally I'm, okay with I'm it. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I'm going to watch the whole thing and be like, oh, wow, look at this. Meanwhile, all the, the investigations continue. Momoa and Fisher continue to speak out. We'll see where all that goes. And as a follow-up, Henry Cavill said... That he's not shooting anything new, but does that mean he's not actually shooting, or is he just shooting old, reshooting old stuff? You know what Sound, I mean? Sounds like he's just reshooting old. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, is he doing some back talking, trying to be like up, obfuscate what's actually happening there? Uh, so we'll see. Speaking of HBO Max, uh, 
a show that I did not watch at all, but I knew about Pretty Little Liars. Yeah, what, heard about it. What was that? Uh, it's not Freeform. It was like ABC Family or something. I think one of those weird cable channels that's like geared towards tweens mm-hmm. and teens. They're doing a reboot of it on HBO Max, but from the creator of the Riverdale show. Oh, so it's going to be darker and moodier. Yes, they're going to add a little bit of a sort of a supernatural horror thing to it. It's already about like... Uh, uh, bodies and, and death, I think, to show and like being uh, two faced and all that. So, yeah, they're gonna probably make it a little sexier and a lot darker. And we got more HBO Max stuff because not only are they doing that, they're doing a Rashomon TV show. Okay, so they're taking the Kira Kurosawa classic, which is the uh, a story of an investigation, it's a trial, but they get the same story from different perspectives. That's the whole point of the movie. So, that's what this show is gonna be where it's one mystery, like an assault happens, and then it's investigating this assault uh, in a modern day setting, but doing it Rashomon style. That's HBO. Uh, moving over to Apple, Tom Holland, the Russo brothers, working together again, but this time for something called Cherry. Cherry, this is according to Deadline, has a... Uh, we ended the deal in the $40, $40 million range to be on Apple TV Plus early 2021. And it's, uh, where is it? It's, uh, to have a, there's a description here somewhere. Based on a book of the same name, Cherry follows Tom Holland as a young Cleveland man who becomes an army medic after being spurned by the love of his life and returns home with undiagnosed PTSD. After being prescribed OxyContin, his character and his wife move from pill popping to heroin and they start robbing banks to pay for their addiction. Sounds upbeat. So, yeah, it sounds like a fun war story mixed with uh, Drugstore Cowboy. Yes, yes. It's uh, War Store cow- Cowboy. War Horse Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's going to be on Apple at some time next year, which means we'll never watch it. The uh, Disney Plus. They've announced uh, a Nick Fury show. Okay. With, obviously, Samuel Jackson okay. coming back as Nick Fury. And I'm fine. It's like, sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be watchable. I mean, he had his own comic book back in the Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then they even started redrawing him to look like Samuel Jackson. Yeah. And then the producer's like, that's a good idea. Let's cast him <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> the drawing came first. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, they have all these stories. He's a fun character. He's a great actor. It all worked together. Uh, although, you know, I thought Glass was going to work. <laughs> Still haven't seen it. You still haven't seen it? Mm. <laughs> I, I'm like torn between telling you, you should watch it. to be like, oh my God. But then be like, eh, you don't want to waste your time. No. Oh, maybe you do want to waste your time. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. Uh, well, I'm, M. Night Shyamalan has another movie in production. He tweeted um, from the set of his the first day of filming of a movie called Old. And uh, it's an interesting poster. The poster is the bottom half of an hourglass. Uh, but the sands are uh, people. The grains are all people falling. Mm-hmm. And the tagline is, it's only a matter of time. And it's described as a new trip from writer-director M. Night Shyamalan. Who, uh, it's his new movie, baby. We got a new Shyamalan. He's funding himself again, like he's been doing lately. Bloomhouse will probably distribute it. And it looks like it's going to be about people getting old. Mm-hmm. Probably a, losing their fucking minds. In a fun Shyamalan way. But then twist at the end. Uh, they're in a theme park all along. An old theme park. Chris called it. You, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. 
theme, an, theme park. They're an old man theme park. Uh, you just see what we got. We have I have three stories left. Henry Golding. These are all these last three stories are these are all things, including the last one, including the M Night Shyamalan one. These are all things I'm like vaguely sort of interested in for various reasons. You know, I'm I'm interested in anything Shyamalan does, no matter how bad his movies. He's get. a weird guy. He's a weird guy. He's got a weird imagination. He makes strange movies. I want to see him. Are they gonna be bad? Yeah, maybe. I still want to see it at least once. This might be bad, but I'm interested. I want to see it. This Snake Eyes movie that they're making, this G.I. Oh, Joe, right? This is strange. Starring Henry Golding. I know. Who, uh, overly handsome, ridiculously smooth man, not known for action at all, uh, has this quote. They wrapped filming back in February, so this thing's in the can. This is how he remembered the shoot. To be honest, it was painful. It definitely, it's definitely much more of a martial arts film than a superhero movie. It's very, very physical. I fucking hated it in the beginning because I couldn't even squat down and go to the bathroom. The first week was literal hell. I think I cried on the phone to my manager. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, some honesty. Yeah, he's like your Snake I, Eyes lead. I was not in shape <laughs> to be in an action movie. I was not ready. Yeah, I had abs, but I wasn't tough. Just because you got gym bought, gym made muscles doesn't mean you know how to use them. So he learned how to use them making that movie. Well, but maybe that that sounds like also it's a physical. They really went for it type of thing. Um, hopefully we'll see that exertion on screen. It won't just be wasted. All that pain. That's the thing. You don't want all that pain and effort to be wasted, especially when it comes to action movies. They're hard to make. I hope it's a good one just just for his sake uh this is wild a wild update james cameron has announced avatar 2 principal photography 100 percent done <sighs> it's fucking happening as a matter of fact avatar 3 principal photography he puts that at 95 percent done so we're moving into post-production on the avatar sequels very soon here i can almost foresee a situation, a scenario, Drew Cogburn, where the vaccines, all this stuff, everything's ready. Theaters are like, uh, everything's ready to come back to life. And the first big movie... Avatar 2. It's going to be fucking <laughs> Avatar 2. And it's going to make a ton of money. And then... And just like Avatar 1, it's not going to be that good. And then, <laughs> and then 10 years later, people are like, yeah, sure, Avatar 2 is the record holder. It's made, it made $800 billion worldwide. But uh, it was the first movie after COVID. <laughs> so there's an asterisk on it. You know, people have all sorts of asterisks for Avatars. Um, just be like, they're, they're interesting. Just, just admit that they're interesting. He shot this thing underwater with Sigourney Weaver. She's an old lady. Her bones are so brittle. Dwayne Johnson had a final story. Dwayne Johnson had a kind of a funny Instagram post here about uh, the character Hawkman. Okay. And they cast Hawkman. Mm -hmm. And it's this dude, Aldous Hodge. Okay. Uh, his picture's down here. He's the guy who's in, in The Invisible Man. He is the oh, friend yeah. mm -hmm. that Elizabeth Moth was saying. Oh, man, with. he was. Oh, God, he's been in other things, yeah, too. Yeah, he's been in a few other number of things, yeah. He's got that face where, like, this guy keeps popping up and stuff. Uh, what's his name? Aldis Hodge. A-L-D-I-S. Uh, so Dwayne Johnson put up an Instagram post saying, Welcome to um, welcome to Black Adam. You're playing Hawkman. He describes Hawkman as the fire leader of the Justice Society of America, one of the most beloved legendary characters in the DC Universe. Uh, you've, seen, you've seen Aldous Hodge there, where he's uh, where you recognizing him from? No, no, not yet. Um, yeah, he's just one of those guys. Like, I've seen this guy. He has a funny story about calling Aldous. 
and telling him, hey, this is Dwayne Johnson. And I'll just, he paused, and it's like, this is uh, Dwayne Johnson's uh, Instagram post. Whoever this is, stop playing on my phone. <laughs> DJ. This is Dwayne. Is this Aldous? Long pause. Aldous. This shit ain't funny. I said stop playing on my fucking phone. I find it funny that he used yeah. fucking in this uh-huh. post. It's PG-13. DJ. It's fine. Aldous, this is Dwayne Johnson. I just called to say thank you so much for sending your audition. It was great. I really appreciate the efforts you made. Just want to say thanks. Best of Best of luck in all you do. And one more thing. Welcome to Black Adam. Longest pause. Aldous. I'm sorry. You'll just have to hold on for one second. (laughs) He puts the phone down and walks away. And all I hear is inaudible yells. Um, Then he gets back to the phone. They finish the conversation. But uh, he had a little little cute, funny post about welcoming this guy to the Black Adam family. And I'm I'm interested in that movie because of the director Jaime Xiaomi I don't know how to say his name the guy who did Orphan mm-hmm. and those uh man those Liam Neeson movies Unknown The Commuter what was the one I was on the airplane The Gray no well not The Gray no The Gray <laughs> the that's gray. on an airplane <laughs> the airplane crashes it starts on an airplane <laughs> no the one with Scoot McNary the one where Scoot McNary plays the wolf oh yeah it's The Gray too yeah, I forgot about that. I um, anyway, Black Adam, we'll see if that's any good. Oh, and then made me think of, so finally they got Dwayne Johnson to play superhero. The one guy I walk around in Hollywood is like, yeah, you don't have to do anything extra to make this guy a superhero, right? He's the wa- uh, walking. Yeah. He's, he's fucking Superman. He's a steroid freak <laughs> Superman walking around here. Um, the uh, So now Zachary Levy does like work out. I'm sure he's like physically fit. He can't be showing up in Shazam with that muscle suit and then expecting right to go up against Black Adam he's gonna have to get Henry Cavill ripped get one of them thin suits to show no way no way you can have a muscle suit against Dwayne Johnson so uh Zachary Levy wears the muscle suit and somehow they CG the rock down a bit yes (laughs) we're gonna make him look faker somehow Can, can you CG out all his sinewy muscles make him look bulbous uh he's gonna punch his suit and it's just gonna pop the air is gonna pop out of his biceps um, so that's the end of the episode. That was episode 403. Thank you, Drew Sarkog. You're welcome. And you are welcome, listeners, for this week's show. We'll be back next week with 404. Error not found. Oh, shit. Maybe we won't be back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, patreon.com slash crustbuddy. So sign up for that shit. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Eat the rich. Uh, kill your masters. Take care of each other. Bye-bye. A PFT Media Production.